And grab your seats if you would. We're gonna continue. Last week, we did this little mini-series on It Fits, You Fit, talking about uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, I kind of want to go to that last verse of that chapter, if you don't mind. So grab your Bibles. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Let's hit that last verse real quick, and then we're going to flip the page and go to the next chapter. But if you look at it, it says this. It was talking about all the things, all the gifts that God's given us, and all the parts of the body, you and I, different, coming together to accomplish something great. I think we witnessed that this week. I know some of you saw the amount of kids we had, I don't think we could have been absent one and made it happen. So uh, as you look at that, we realize everybody had different things that they were doing, like little ants going different directions, getting things done, coming together. The joy on those kids' faces is just, it's, it's flooding my memories. And uh, just hearing them sing and excited. Some of them are back here today, right? And, and, and knowing that their lives were touched and impact is an amazing thing. But the truth is that doesn't happen without the body of Christ functioning. You know, and I, I think there's a lot of dysfunction in our, our, our community, our nation right now. Would you agree? Um, there, there's a lot of animosity, hate each other, let's go against each other. And, and unfortunately, I think some of that has made its way into the modern day Christianity um, to where Christians are, are more about what they're against rather than standing what they're for. And, and so they'll tear down each other instead of trying to build up each other. We'll, we'll see the faults in each other instead of seeing the possibilities. And we'll, we'll see where they fell short instead of how far they can go. And, and, and I think if we're not careful, love is being misused in our society in a major way and in such a way that we do not truly understand what it means to love somebody, right? And that's why at the end of this, it says, so you should desire the most helpful gifts, but let me show you a way of life that's best of all. Flip the page. And then in in chapter number 13, we come across where it says this, if I could speak in all languages of earth and of angels, in other words, known languages and unknown languages, all right, translations of English, Spanish, Portuguese, or the angel tongues, right? Like if I could speak in all those but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. You know what I'm kind of sick of? And can we say this real quick? All right, we're just gonna throw this out there. I'm tired of people who preach unity but don't show up in community. You know what I mean? Like they're like, oh, we should be together, but then they're absent. I'm tired of people that say we should love everybody but talk about people behind their back. You know, and I'm telling you, what's killing the church right now is not Satan. What's killing the church right now across the world, across the globe, is not demons and enemies. It's the church not being unified in what they believe in. It's not, when somebody looks at you and says, I love you, you should be able to take that to the bank. When somebody says, I want to tell you something because I trust you, it should be a vault where it's kept. But in our world and in our society, we, we really, we're really good at the one-liners that we don't mean. It's almost like we, we talk in Hallmark cards, right? Like we, we say the right things, but we really don't mean it. We're taking somebody else's words, putting it in our life and not having any action behind it. And what this is saying is if you had all the spiritual gifts in the world, yet you did not love people, it is worthless what you can do. Yeah, I wrote a statement. I'm going to give it to you. No matter what your gift, no matter what your calling, no, no matter what your talent, your ability you have, if you do not love other people, all your gifts, all your talents, all your abilities, all the things in your life are worthless. 
I mean, God did not give you these tools. He did not give me these tools and say, hey, you're, you, you can speak or you can teach or you can, you can really encourage or you can get behind people and you can do this for you to make that about you or for me to make that about me. He did that so that we could add love to it and actually have an impact. God gave us these things as a compliment to the love he has for other people. Everything you are is supposed to partner with God's love to get the mission done. I mean, let's see this. What was Jesus? That's a real question, right? Jesus was the son of God, yet at that time, son of man, right? He was God in flesh. Could he walk on water? Yes, we know that. Could he raise the dead? Yes, we know that. Could he heal the sick? Yes, we know that. But what was Jesus' message? Was it healing? Was it getting up? Was it speaking in tongues? Was it all the spiritual gifts? Or was it relationship? What was the message? The message was not, look at what I can do and you can do. It's look at what I can do because God loves me and I do it so that you can know the love of God, so that you can know that me and the Father are one, and the Father is in me, and I am in him, and you are in me, and I am in you. And what he's saying is, hey, all these things we have are given to us for one reason and one reason only, that the people you live with, the people you come in contact with today are able to experience the love of God. That is the only reason we are who we are today. That's the only reason we have what we have today is so that the love of God can be seen through us. We're not supposed to tear down people. We're not supposed to put it down. I gauged our youth a couple Wednesday nights ago and, and I said, hey, I want you to tell me the one thing that you wish would change. And the number one thing on most of those papers out of 39 papers were I'm tired of people talking about other people. And as I look at that and I realize that out of 39, that was more than 17, 17, that's over half. When you got over half the people saying these teenagers are talking about each other, now they're a great group of kids. Would you agree with that? Yes. You know why I say that about the teenagers? Because I've learned this, Rachel, back me up. The teenagers reflect the parents, you know? And so it's like this, if the kids are hearing us do it, what are they gonna do? They're gonna do it. My kids don't have fear until I teach it. You know, Grayson loves to stand on the bed right now. You know, Lincoln is a monkey and can jump and climb. And uh, I mean, that dude has some abilities. Uh, if he could get in gymnastics and grab the concept, I'd get a ticket to the Olympics, all right? That's just the way I see it, right? So Grayson, you can see him. He'll watch Lincoln. Then Canaan will watch Lincoln. And Canaan, being older, will get up and do the things Lincoln's doing. And now we got a Grayson that wants to do the same thing, all right? So we don't have a couch. We have a trampoline, all right? That's pretty much what it is. It is a couch, by the way, but it's bounced on. How many of you have ever heard the bounce, 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 thump? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, kids love to bounce on the bed. What do we teach them to not do? Bounce on the bed. Why do we teach them to not bounce on the bed? We know the thump's coming. We know the end result. They see the fun. They see the ceiling fan and how fast can we, yeah, how close can we get to it or what can we throw in it? Who was that kid? Anybody else? Like, there's a ceiling fan. Let's throw something in it. Let's throw a ball and see how long it'll launch it. Right, and I'm probably giving bad ideas if any kids are in here. But the thing is, it's like we have these mindsets of, all right, this is fun, this is fun, this is fun. Then as we get older, we realize this is dangerous, this is dangerous, this is dangerous. And so what do we do? We start teaching a fear. We start saying, don't jump on the bed, don't jump on the couch, don't do this. You know, hey, don't play with a snake, don't do this. Don't go in there. We see things that as children we didn't see. So I know that the fears that my kids are, are learning and that are growing, they're learned. 
You know, if I walk into my daughter's room tonight and she says that there's something in her closet, that's not a thought she originated. That's a thought she saw somewhere, right? That's coming out in her. And so when I look at this and I see 17 out of 39 teenagers or 18, I don't remember how it was. It was over half say, hey, we have a talking problem. I realize that it's not a talking problem. It's an absence of love for each other problem. Because if I love you, I'm not going to stab you in the back. If I love you, I'm for you. Now, we cannot tell the world we love the world when all we want to do is judge it and condemn it. We love, by the way, we cannot tell the world we love the world if we're not telling the world about Jesus because how can we know there's a heaven and a hell and not tell them about the way to get to heaven? How can we know that there's peace on earth and not tell them the way to have it? How can we know that there's forgiveness of sin and not tell them? Matter of fact, it's hard for me to say in my life that I love you if I have not shared Jesus with you because if I loved you, I would care about your eternity more than I would care about how we are and where we are right now. I would care about where you're going. Do you follow this? It goes on with this list, keep reading. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I did not love others, I would be nothing. You wanna know what makes your ministry successful? You wanna know what makes your home successful? It is not what you bring to the table, it's how you treat the people at the table. It's how you love them and care for them. And if people are going to fit, they have to be made to feel as if they fit. They don't have to be made to feel as if they stand out. We live in a world that's plagued with racism and and all kinds of other things. And I know we don't like to talk about that in predominantly white communities because we don't experience it. But there are things out there that are dividing and pushing that out. And we want to stay mom and pretend it doesn't exist. But that does exist. There's cultural divide. There's social divide. There's financial divide. There's classes, middle class, lower class, upper class. Everywhere you look, there's red, there's blue. There's all kinds of divides that are designed to keep us from coming together. Why? Because Satan knows that if the church of God actually came together, there's nothing he could do to stop it. The Bible says on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against that. And I look around and I say, you know, we get bent out of shape on the wrong things, don't we? I mean, how many of us can get selfish quick? I'm gonna raise my hand. Next thing you know, we're, we're not thinking about how we're affecting others. We're thinking about how it's affecting us. I can do it in my home. I can do it here. You know, you hear people, I want the solo. I don't want the solo. I need the position. I don't have the position. That person gets picked more than me. You know, and, and, and I went around this week, and one of the hardest things to do is when you're asking the question, and you're going to Rachel, and you're going to Phil, and you're going to others, and you're saying, ask the question, and then you got to pick the kid who gets to spin the wheel. You're looking at all these beautiful kids, and you want to pick them all. But there's not enough days in the week to get through, what, 29 kids in your class this week, Derek? And, and, and you're looking at, you know, you're breaking a heart to pick another. And I had one kid that kept coming up to me and saying, why won't you pick me? Why won't you pick me? And it's like, it's not because it's you. It's because the moment's so quick. And so I try to give prizes away behind the scenes. I snuck your kids some Debbie cakes. I asked them if they had allergies. If they lied to me, they lied to me, all right? But like, I would sneak them Debbie cakes. One little girl was not gonna stay. I went outside and I said, what would it take to get you in the door last night, or Friday night? And she said, I just wanna go home. And she's a little bitty. I said, what if I gave you brownies? She said, let's go. You know, like, so, so at the end, I'm looking at Tim and, and, and Tim was my security guard. And I was like, hey, get those brownies and find that girl. 
You know, we, we, uh, uh, Jamie and Kevin brought in a box full of candy, which by the way, don't eat the sugar-free. If you eat seven of the sugar-free, you get diarrhea. It's on the wrapper, all right? So that's, what the, but the thing is, is, we're giving this stuff away. So if your kid's a little bit runny right now, it's because we gave them candy, all right? So understand this, like we, we were trying our best just to say, you, you are here, you matter, we see you, we care. We do crazy things. Matter of fact, after this service, we're gonna go ahead and slime one of our elders because we told them if they raised a certain amount of money, we would slime all the elders and deacons. Pastors escaped it, but we got them in, all right? So we're gonna slime them. Um, and, 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 and why do we do that? Is, that? is that really feel good? No, it feels nasty. You know, but the thing is, is it's, 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 it's for the kids. They're gonna love it. I once, years ago, not even at this church, we did a youth conference where, we were trying to raise funds to get kids in the door. And, and I remember we, we made a prize that we were gonna give away $1,000. And I got so much slack from that. Like, why would you do this? And you shouldn't bribe people to come to church. I'm gonna disagree and agree at the same time. I'm not bribing them to come to Jesus. I'm just trying to get them through the door. And if we can get them through the door and we can show them the love of God, and if one person accepted Christ, would $1,000 be worth their eternity? And the absolute answer is yes. With a shirt off our back, be worth somebody's life radically changing today. Yeah, that's why God said in his word, if somebody comes in and they need it, don't just give them the shirt, give them the cloak too. You know what I'm saying? If they're hungry, feed them. If somebody comes up to you today and says, we just don't have any food, don't tell them you're gonna pray for them. Let's go to Shoney's, take them. Yeah, you go sit down somewhere. You go through the food pantry on your way out the door. Then take them to eat. It does no good for us to put our armor on each other and say, oh, we see your need and we care, but see you later and we're gonna pray that God provides. How can God provide if his people don't love them enough to be the provision? How can God move if his people don't love him enough to say, hey, you know what? Hey, I got a great knowledge of the scripture or I got a great ability to speak. I got a great prophecy gift. I got a great tongues gift, but my gift isn't what this moment's about. You are what this moment's about. You matter. Today, we got a lot of people going through things. I know Howard's sister's really sick right now. Jamie Rainbolt's in the hospital right now getting admitted. I mean, we can just go down the line. Andre and Michonne are at a men's conference right now. You got people that are everywhere. And, and, and in those things, our hearts should go out to where they're at, whether it's praying for what God's doing there or whether it's going over here and just putting an arm around and saying, what do you need? I've got a, a, an old real estate buddy of mine uh, that last night at midnight, we're texting because he and his family are going through things. And, you know, I'm telling my wife, like, hey, if he tells me, I'm gonna find a day to drive to Indianapolis for a few hours and drive back because the truth is, is when we are down, we shouldn't be down and out. We shouldn't be alone. You know, there should be things in our lives that put us into action. I, you know what I think the biggest weapon that Satan has against us today is a four-letter word called busy. We're busy. And we're so busy, we're forgetting what matters. We're forgetting what's around us. Anybody else in here a little bit tired today? Slip that hand up in the air. Yeah. Anybody else in here got a to-do list a mile long for this week? Slip that hand in the air. I'm gonna tell you this right now. If you're not careful, Satan will continually add to that. And next thing you know, a year goes by and your kid's taller. Next thing you know, they're walking down the aisles. Next thing you know, you're watching a car drive away with, hey, the majority of our life that we get to spend together is now over. Are you, are you, are you following this today? At the end of a life, not one of us is gonna ask for another day at work, another contract, 
Not one of us is going to ask for more time volunteering at our church. You know what we're going to want? Our loved ones. Just more time with our loved ones. Don't be offended if on my deathbed you're not on my mind, but my wife and kids are. Does that make sense? And so what it needs to be is, if that's how I'm going to die, it needs to be how I'm going to live. That needs to be the reality. Now, we're not saying abandon all your obligations. I don't want to mass call in tomorrow to work, all right? That's not what we're saying. You got you to let your yes be yes and your no be no. But what we are saying is maybe your schedule needs to have a little more intentionality in it on the time you're going to take to love instead of the time we're going to take to do. Because if you do all the time, they'll get to a point where you don't do. Am I right? What do we call that? Anybody know that term? Burnout. Burnout. He goes on and he says this. He says, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, and I could even boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Nothing. You know, I, I, uh, I think it's important in our lives that we sit back and we look at that, that there's some things that can take us far in our relationships, but nothing can secure the relationship absent love. There's things that you can do to impress others. There's things that you can do to get other people's attention. There's things that you can do to make other people feel like they matter, but nothing is going to keep the relationship secure unless you love each other. Absent love, what's this verse saying? We have and we are nothing. So let's look at some things that love does. Let's read this. Maybe you've heard it at every wedding you've ever been to. But it says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. Can, I, can, I, can we clarify? Irritable doesn't simply mean that you can't have feelings and emotions. It just simply says it's not all about your feelings and emotions, that you're not taking out those things on other people. But it, it, it goes on and it says it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown language and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Don't tell me how much you know, because in heaven, that doesn't matter. Don't tell me what you can do, because in heaven, that doesn't matter. You know what matters is how you love. You know what you're rewarded on in heaven? How you loved here. What you did with the love you were given. And we have been given a great love of God. Amen to that? We've received more than we deserve. Anybody say yes to that too? And the truth is, is sometimes we forget where we come from when it comes to the actions of others. If we look back and it says it keeps no record of being wrong, and I'm gonna tell you this and I want you to understand it. I want you to wrap your mind around it and I want you to pull it in. If you can gossip about somebody, you do not love them because you have a record of wrong against them. Is that a real bold statement? Yes. Is it true? Yes. Love says, I know your faults, and I will die knowing them. It's not anybody else's business. Because if I see your faults, I now have received a calling. And that calling is not to judge and walk away. It's to come beside and disciple and encourage and, and, and empower and help you grow. 
You say, well, you know, you know, God says to get away from people who do such things. You know what the Bible's talking about? When people live in repetitive sin and refuse to change, you should not be hanging out with them. Let's get it in context. It shouldn't be your best friends. It shouldn't be who you're spending every time with because you're gonna pick up and develop their habits. That's what Proverbs says. You hang around negative people, you'll become negative. If you hang around bad habits, you'll develop them. You will become like the people you hang with. It does not ever say to ignore, separate, and get away from. Matter of fact, Luke 15 starts with, Jesus sat, ate, and met with sinners. You know why? He knew they needed him. And I'm telling you now, I want to be a church that doesn't condone a lifestyle of sin, but offers an opportunity for people caught in sin to walk in and find the love of God in their life. Because my Bible totally tells me that love will cover a multitude of sin and it will cast out all fear. And if we come in and we say, we're going to love you no matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter where you are, then there's a chance for somebody to change there. But the moment we say, until you change, we're not talking. We got a problem. Absent Christ, I could never become anything more than human with flesh and temptation and a desire for self. But because of Jesus, we can aspire to be more, right? And so understand this. When I look at me, I say, I need a lot of Jesus. If there's anybody else in the room, say, yes, me too. And then we look at others and we realize they're not much different than we are. They need him too. Uh, me and Jordan had a conversation. We brought Kenny up. I don't know if he's in the room. I, uh, we were talking behind your back. And uh, we were saying, you know, like what we have noticed and what we have learned, even in my own life, what I see is when, when, when I'm living clean and I'm living trying to please God, oftentimes I find myself more gracious towards others, more forgiving towards others. It's the moment I've got a hidden sin in my life that I want to judge everybody else. And that's where Kenny came up. Because this is a man that I think if a gnat needed help going to the bathroom, he would help it. That's that kind of man. I've never heard him say a cross word about anybody. Anybody in here say they've heard Kenny say anything? I've never seen the man that he's not smiling. And I know he's a man and I know he has things that he goes through and battles that he fights, fears that he faces. Now, I can say this about many. I'm just going to right now talk about Kenny, all right? The reality is, is he's somebody that when he walks up, you know you're going to get encouraged. You know you're going to get greeted. You know you're going to get welcomed, and you know you're going to matter. And when you see somebody like that, it gives you hope that no matter what you're going through, no matter where you are, there's at least one person in your life that's going to be consistent. You know why that is? I believe he's a man that seeks God and the way he lives, and the things he does, and, and how he operates his family. And because of that, he's got grace for all, mercy for all. It's when we get dirty, we want to point out the dirt on somebody else. If you don't believe that, just go to your kids. You get onto one kid, and what do they tell you? Everything the other kids are doing. Am I right? Like, why did you, but, but, but they did this. They said this, and then you go to 30-year-olds, and it's the same way. 60-year-olds, and it's the same way. Hey, why are you talking the way you're talking? Cause they, no, 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 no. Clean the end. Get the, get, the, get the beam out of your eye before you try to get the speck out of somebody else's eye. But the beauty of that, and I heard people say this, you know, they'll, they'll throw that down. Anybody else ever heard it? Get the beam out of your own eye before you come after me. No, here's the thing. The Bible's saying we want you to get the beam out of your eye because we want your help getting the speck out of somebody else's. 
It's, hey, I I need this so I can see clearly. And what is seeing clearly? Seeing clearly means I see the way God sees, not the way the world sees. I see that whether you're Democrat or Republican, we have an obligation to hit our knees and pray for our president. All right, that's, uh, that's real right there, isn't it? Whether, whether you, you're, and pray for our nation, pray for the, see, I, I'm not, I'm be honest with you, sometimes that's hard for me to do. I, I know it's easy when you sit up there and you're like, oh, I want his faith. I will tell you this right now, you really want your own. Because my faith has its roller coaster rides. My faith has its ups and downs. My faith has its weaknesses and strength. You don't want anybody else's faith. You want your own. And just because we're saying it doesn't mean we've mastered it. So I think it's important to admit that while I say it's good to pray for other people, sometimes I have a hard time doing that. Sometimes I want to speak to them instead of speak to God on their behalf. I want to say to them what I want to say instead of taking it to God. And the Bible says love is patient and is kind. Can I tell you what patient is? Patient doesn't sit there and say, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm very patient when they're not ready in time for the date, or I'm very patient with this. I'm not saying I'm that either. My wife can testify to that, right? But like, I get very anxious when we're late for the date. But the thing is, is we, we're not saying patient is then I can wait on you. Patient says that I can grow with you. That I can understand that sometimes it takes time to grow. I was listening uh, to my Bible app because I like to listen to the passage of scripture that we're about to preach on on my way to church. And so I was listening to 13 and I got so lost in the, the words that I was hearing that next thing you know, I'm in chapter 15 and, and, and I'm still listening and, and I'm hearing this, this conversation of Paul writing, talking about a seed dies before it can be dressed differently. And I was thinking to myself, Wow, it goes in looking one way and comes out totally different on the other side with a time of growth in between. And that's exactly how we are in Christ. We go into our faith looking one way, but God clothes us in righteousness and we come out on the other side looking a different way. And I know that I can look at my life and say, I have that testimony. I know you can too. But can we look at somebody else's life and says, let's be patient because we love them for God to do the work on them that he wants to do. We should not be in a cancel culture in the church. We should not be looking at each other and saying, you did this, you can't serve here. Now, there may be times you need to take a break, right? There may be times that you're about to burn out. There may be times that sin's in your life and you need to get cleaned up, but break isn't break up. And that's something that we need to understand. You know, just like Paul said in one Corinthians, hey, remove them. In the next Corinthians, he said, restore them. Just like Paul wrote in Galatians that you who are mature, if somebody falls, help them up. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that the godly will stumble seven times. You know what it's saying? Just because they fail doesn't mean they failed. It doesn't mean it's over. It simply means we have an opportunity. And if we love them, we're patient. And while we're patient, we're kind. And those are two things that if society had, we could change the world. If we're gonna be a community where people fit, then we gotta be a community that looks at each other and, and does what love does. Here it is, ready? I wrote down a list, I'm gonna give it to you real quick and then we'll, we'll go to slime time, ready? So number one, it casts out fear. Cast out fear. You're afraid? Let's go together. You're afraid? Let's do this. Yesterday, um, in, in my, my job, I wound up in a, a plethora of different places that I didn't want to be. The very first place I started was in a crawl space. In the very back, had a, I actually got my pants dirty crawling. I felt like a man. And then I realized I didn't have to because there was a way I could have walked on the way out. We walked out and I was like, how did we walk out but crawl in? That doesn't make sense. But anyway, we got around the corner and all of a sudden I 
sort of threw my flashlight around. I was with this foundation, uh, like inspector guy, and and uh, which was so cool. Is a guy that used to go to church with us ten years ago that got out. And I was like, okay, this is going to be a good day, and he he's going in, so I got to go in. I go in. The kid follows me in. The mom follows him, and the dad follows him. And I'm like, there's strength in numbers. I can do this, <laughs> right? There's seven of us. I can I can I can hit him in the head and get out of here. That snake gets him. Whatever's under here, you, get, you just don't be the slowest. Isn't that the rule, right? Like, don't be the slowest. But if you're alone, you are the slowest, right? Like, that's it. And so if it was just me, like, when we went for our initial look at this house, you know how we looked at the uh, crawl space? We opened the door, stuck my head in, slammed my flashlight around and said, okay, here's your crawl space. We'll let the inspector tell us if anything's wrong. In other words, we'll let somebody else go in. But if you're gonna go in with me, I'm not as bad. We do that flashlight come around and there's a couple of eyes looking at us and... And I'm about to die until the guy says, hey, look at that frog. And I'm like, okay, I can handle that reptile. Yeah, you know, you know, his cousin is not my friend, but that one will handle. It's an amphibian. It's not a reptile, is it? I don't even know the difference. All right, here we go. All right. But the thing is, is when I'm not, when I'm alone, my fears go through the roof. How many of you, when you are alone in your house, you hear every noise? You didn't realize your, your, your water tank had a, had a voice, did you? Right? Like it groans and moans and that your house settles and pops and cracks. And, you know, when you got somebody else there, you're not thinking about those things. Absent their voice, absent the comfort of their snore. And you hear everything. Am I right or wrong? You know, you know, I, I, I love how love casts out all fear because love doesn't leave you alone when you're afraid. Love doesn't count you out because you have the fear. Have you ever gone to Dollywood and just looked around and watched and you see the mom get on the roller coaster with one kid or the dad get on a roller coaster with one kid while the mom or the dad stays with the kid that doesn't want to ride? And and, and do you think that the parent wants to go to Dollywood all day long just to sit and wait on everybody else to go in line? Or do you think that it would kind of be nice to get in line yourself and have some fun? But the reality is you're not going to count your kid out just because your kid doesn't want to do this. You're going to stay with them. Because if you were to sit your kid on a bench at Dollywood and get in line and leave them alone, do you think that they would be more afraid of being alone in a crowd of 20,000 or more afraid of the roller coaster probably being alone? And you should probably be afraid of who's in the crowd of 20,000 that might want to take your kid and run. But when we're together, it's different. Hold my hand, we'll get across this parking lot. Stay with me, listen to me. Um, When my wife and kids were going to the pool and and the first time they were going to go three... uh, when Jordan taken them, I looked at Canaan and I said, whatever an adult tells you by that pool, you listen to. You know what I'm telling her? I'm scared you might drown if you don't pay attention. But somebody's gonna be paying attention to you. You know what about love, I love about love? Love doesn't have to ask you in. You're paying attention even when they don't want you there. You're noticing even when they don't realize it. You're watching from afar. How many of you have ever scoped your kids from the background? You know what I mean? Like you're checking them out and you're seeing what's going on. How many of you have ever watched other people around your kids from the background? Anybody else ever wanted to sneak a tape recorder into the school in your kid's backpack? I mean, you, 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 we, we look and we're like, hey, I got you even when you don't know I got you. My daughter's first date will be mine too. Am I right? Not my first date, but my first date with them. You know, if they're on the movies, they better not be on the back row. They'll be sitting by me, right? Like, that's where I'm going to be. I don't know if that's true. Jordan probably won't let me, but I'm, that's my goal. My thing is, is I'm going to watch out. Not because I don't love you, 
but because I love you, sometimes I'm watching out for the things you don't look for. Standing with you in the things that terrify you. Love will cast out a fear. I, I like the love covers a multitude of sin. You know how love covers sin? It forgives it. It doesn't hold it over the head. Isn't that what it says? It doesn't keep record of wrong. By the way, look in the mirror before you ever look at somebody else and say these words, you are going to trip at some point. And God, thank you for sending Jesus who loves us no matter what. That while we were sinners, you died. While, not, not before, not after, you knew our sins, you knew us and, and completely knew what we were capable of and chose us anyway. Louis Giglio says it best. You are not inviting God into your story. He wrote you into his. What a beautiful thought. Somebody's as messed up as me can be a part of God's plan. Isn't that something? And if somebody as messed up as me can be a part of God's plan, somebody as messed up as you can be a part of God's plan too. And if that's the case, then I need to love you where you are. I need to forgive you when you hurt me. The closer you get to somebody, the more hurt you're gonna experience. Love costs something. Agree or disagree? Yeah, and the more you love, the more painful it can get, but the more rewarding it can get too. You know, I, I, I would love to stand up here and say that me and my wife never have an argument, but my brother-in-law lived with us for three years, so he knows that's not true. <laughs> Am I right? But the thing is, is the argument doesn't mean I hate you. The argument simply means that I am with you in a close, intimate way. So I'm going to experience you in a different way than somebody else. By the way, if you're thinking about having an affair, the only reason you're more attracted to that person and, and who they are is not because you want them. It's because you don't know them. And the more you get to know them, the more you're going to realize there is no greener grass anywhere. There's just fertilized, worked, trimmed, and a lot of effort put into a yard that looks good. Am I right? That's a real statement. Is that okay to say? A lot of times we get in love with the idea of fantasy. I said it in a Monday night class. We're like Peter Pan chasing us fantasy land because we're scared of our shadow. You know, and the thing is, is we just need to dig in where we are and realize that the closer I get to you, we're gonna have conflict. We're gonna have arguments. We live in a world that cannot disagree and that's a problem. We need disagreement in our life because disagreement will strengthen us. You might see something I don't see. You might see the person that's dangerous to me that I don't see. It's okay to come up and say, you need to watch yourself around certain situations because we see the look in somebody's face. We see what they're saying. We've heard what they're saying. And you gotta have those people that when they come to you and they say something, you trust it. I had that experience just this week. You know, I had a situation I didn't know what to do. I was getting a lot of information in a little bit of time. Rachel came up and she told me something and I trusted what she was saying and I made every decision from that moment forward on what I trusted her to say. You say, well, did you know it to be true? No, but I know what she stands for and if she's gonna pursue God and she's gonna love God and she's gonna say, don't do this, I can trust it. I can figure everything else out later. Love covers sin. It doesn't cover the sin just that you committed. It actually covers the sin that you will commit. If you don't have somebody standing with you, it's good to have somebody in your life that will accept you even though you got sin and keep you from sin because they'll stand in the way. Love covers. I mean, hey, listen, a church will grow through love more than it'll grow through any other program it has. You can have the worst speaking pastor in the world and a booming church if it's people love each other. Because you know what's missing from the world? Love. 
You say, well, how do you know that? I've learned this in some of my life. The things I want to bark about the loudest are normally either absent or present in me. Does that make sense? Like if I'm struggling with my finances, it's easy for me to look at somebody successful and say, oh, well, they're stuck up. Or get jealous. Anybody else like that? You really don't covet when you got what you want. You covet when you don't have what you want. You don't envy when you're happy where you are. You envy when you don't have it. Am I right? Come on, talk to me. You never hear somebody who is stable financially talking about somebody else's finances. They actually celebrate the success of others, but somebody who's struggling, it's easy. They lack, so they, they, they bark at. You know what that represents? It represents a hurt in someone. And when you hear somebody barking in an area, don't look at them and say, oh my goodness, what a jerk. Look at them and say, hey, maybe I need to go over there and say, hey, are y'all okay in your finances? Can I help you out? Hey, let me pray with you because it seems like right now something's going on. You don't, you don't need to give a 10-point lecture on why you shouldn't be jealous or envious. You just need to go over and say, do you have a need? On Tuesday night of Bible school, I pulled one of our teenagers to the side. They were giving somebody a very hard time and they were, they were almost to a point of bullying and you, you don't need to know who. And, and, and I pulled them over to the side and I said, hey, look, you're doing this. You're sending people home crying and, and this isn't right and we will not allow it. However, this is not who you are. You are better than this. What's going on? You are better than this, so tell me what's going on in your life. And in two seconds, David was standing there. He can testify. That kid went from standing there looking at me with a blank look to totally bawling, throwing out all the things that are going on in their lives. Because what I understand is this. You cannot condone this behavior, but you've got to understand this behavior comes from something else. And if we look at the world and we say, can you believe they did this? Can you believe they did this? It doesn't need to be what they did that we talk about. It's we need to get with them and say, why? What is going on in your life? What is absent? What is missing? I got you. I'm not gonna lie for you. I'm not gonna hide for you, but I'm not gonna abandon you. We can get through this. How many of you got it? Say got it. This is missing, and if it was there, if it was present, our, our, our church would radically change in a week. If we could look at somebody and say, well, let me point out every flaw they have. No, if you see a flaw, answer the call. Please write that down. If you see the flaw, answer the call. I'll give it to you in perspective. If you're walking to your car in between this service and the next and you see a cup on the ground, pick it up. There's a flaw. I've got the call. Don't go to Howard. Don't go to Wade and say, there's cups everywhere outside. Pick it up. You know, like if you see a spill on the floor, stand there and say, hey, can you get me some paper towels? And when the paper towels get back, get down and get it. You say, well, that's not my job. I'll tell you this right now. If that is the motto of how you work, you've achieved the best job you'll ever have. But if I look at it and say, it's not my job, but their job is difficult and I'm gonna help them because we are a team. We're in this together. You say, well, you know, I work all day and she, she, she's just taking care of kids, which is way harder than your job, by the way. And, and you, you come home and you're like, hey, I don't need to do the dishes and I don't need to do this. Hey, no, no, no. If you see overloaded, hey, what is this? Now, I, I did learn this in counseling this week. I'm always asking, what can I do? And she's like, I don't need to tell you, you need to love me enough to do it, right? Like, that's not how she said, but it's real, right? Okay, you can preach your own sermon. All right, here we go, all right? She said, I'm not your mom. All right, that's true. But the thing is, is hey, understand this, get it. The reality of our life is we look around and we see what's missing. Look around this auditorium at every decoration on the wall. Not one of us thought it up. Not one of us told them what to do. Not one of us said, this is how it's supposed to be going. All I knew was the theme was twists and turns. And they saw Mario. 
Now, I'm going to tell you, my son is nonverbal, but came to two nights of Bible school, which was a huge success. All three of our kids got to come to two nights. I was so proud of that. But I walked over to my son on his iPad, and I looked down, and you know what he was playing? Mario. And you know what I realized? Is this spoke to him. Like, this, like it made him go find it. And, 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 and in my heart, it was like, here's my nonverbal son receiving. And, and then it's like, oh, you know what? You know what? That kid can be soaking in all this love, soaking in this knowledge of God, soaking in all these, I don't know what's going in, but I can see what's coming out. And the truth is, is when I look at somebody else and I'm, I'm, I'm loving them and caring, I don't know what's going in, but you will know them by their fruits. That's what the Bible says. You will know them by their actions. You will know them by their words. The thing is, is it's not about what I see you doing now. It's about knowing that you're a tree that God wants to plant to bring fruit to help somebody else. And so I will be patient and kind while the tree grows, but we will put in the nurture knowing, knowing that love will cover you until you're able to grow your own self in your own way. The healthiest foresters have the greatest canopies. Y'all remember when I walked through the woods with the forester and came out? That's the one thing he told me. A branch is a sign of a flaw. And it's not just the sign of a flaw in a tree. It's the sign of the flaw in the community of trees around it. That the healthiest forests are, how many of you have seen these? Long, skinny trees with nothing until you get to the top. And then you get to the top and there's these covering. And he says, what's a beautiful thing about a forest is the covering will give the ability for a seedling to sprout and grow without burning up. And I think to myself, that is how we need to look at the church and the unbelievers and those that are struggling and those that are new to their faith is that just because you're more advanced than them doesn't give you a right to lord over them. It gives you the ability to love and cover over them while God does in them what needs to be done. Love covers now I'm going to hit these quick. It cheers on the straggler. It edifies the unbeliever. It believes that no matter what the circumstances and no matter what the lack, that that, that chance and that person has the ability to become something greater than the moment. I don't need to see the lack in you. I just need to understand that maybe I see the lack in you because God's given me the ability to train it. Matter of fact, if it's a lack in me, how do I know it's a lack in you? And if you even look at somebody and say, this is often them, that means that maybe God has strengthened you and grown you in an area where you could disciple them. We're all experts at something. You know, I, I use it all the time and I'm, I always say, I don't agree with everything he did, but Dave Ramsey, who is one of the financial advisors of the world, was bankrupt twice. You know, and, and you look at him and say, oh, I wish I was him. I bet you there's times of his life that you are glad you weren't. But he had a different approach than we have to failure. He had a, this isn't going to keep me. And then he had a different approach to what he did. Instead of hiding bankruptcy in his back pocket and not letting anybody know he's bankrupt, he brought bankruptcy out and said, this is what happened to me and this is what I learned and this is what God's doing. And now multimillionaire from it. And you say, well, I don't agree with that. You know why you don't agree with that? Because he put an effort into his life in an area that you're not willing to put an effort into your life. All right. Now I'm not saying your finances. But I, I, I told somebody this the other time, the only reason you get jealous of others is not because of what they have, it's what they're willing to do that you're not willing to do to get what they have. You, you tear down the happy relationship and the happy couple because they're willing to put the effort in. If you did the same, guess what you would get? The results. Maybe not just like theirs because your story's different. Love says, hey, no matter what the circumstances, 
no matter what the lack, I'm gonna encourage you and believe in you anyway. Love keeps us in the game even when we feel like we're losing. Anybody else feel like that in some areas of your life? How many of you have ever felt like that in your relationship? You know what love says? I'm staying even though right now this isn't the relationship that I want us to have. We can have it, so we're sticking it out. How many of you have ever, um, you wanted to, you know, not be a parent anymore in the toddler years? Not really, maybe not wanted to be a parent, but it was a struggle, right? And then you're like, I can't wait till they're older. And now you're like, I wish they were younger because even in the struggle, they hugged me, right? Like, you know, and then, and then they're out of the house. And, you, you know, I've heard people say, when they get out of the house, I'll get freedom. And then they get out of the house and I, those same people tell me how bored they are. You know, you, you miss the sounds of runs across the floor. You, you miss the need. The thing is, is love says, hey, I'm going to stay in even when it's hard. I'm going to parent through hard seasons. I'm going to disciple. I'm going to pastor through dry seasons. David spent a season in anointing and a season running from the calling. But no matter where he ran and no matter how far he went, the anointing didn't change. He found himself in a dry season, a dry seasons when you're not getting what you want and it feels like a desert and a famine. You're emotionally drained, you're physically drained, nothing else is going right in your life. And, and the Bible said that there at the cave of Adela with a view of the Dead Sea, God sent him 300 and turned into 400 later that were in debt, going through divorces and were the worst of the worst in their communities, pretty much. And you know what the Bible says? God made them an army that nations feared. And I look at that and I'm saying this, in our lives, we think that we have to achieve perfection to become, and God says it's in your imperfection you find out who I am. And you are able to achieve what I desire for you. Don't quit just because the game's hard. A lot of teams win with a last second shot. A lot of teams win in the last quarter. Love keeps pressing forward even if, when it feels like we're getting pushed back. Love never stops believing and because it believes, it never stops putting in effort. The Bible says in this, in this very passage, that love never loses faith, never gives up, verse number seven. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. It says prophecy and speaking in unknown language and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete and even the gift of prophecy reveals part of a whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly like a puzzling reflection in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. I look at this and I say, you know, this past, this last passage is what's going to keep love available in your heart to realize that no matter how good you are, you don't know everything. You don't see it clearly. We don't have the great picture, but God knows me completely, knows you completely, and doesn't ask me to pursue things where I can tell the world what they need to do, or I can speak in languages and all this. He, he asked me and he asked you the same. The greatest calling in our life is to love God and learn how to love other people. 
It is to say to others, you matter to me because you matter to him. And because you matter to him, I'm going to show you his love. I'm going to care for you. You know, I, um, I miss the time I get with my family during Bible school because it's a lot of long days and a lot of late nights. I think most nights we got home. I got home after 11 o'clock, close to midnight some, and um, it, it was just long. And, and, and while I'm excited about being home at certain times of the week this week, anybody else say me too to that? Like I'm excited about actually eating dinner with my kids. Um, I miss the community time. I love Bible school, getting to spend time with you. Just watching you laugh and watching you grow and watching you connect and seeing what you're capable of and, and seeing what God can do in you. I get sad on the last night of Bible school because it'll be another year before we get to spend a week with you. You know, and I, and I think to myself, it shouldn't be like that. Every Sunday, we should come in with that same excitement. Every Monday, every Wednesday, I'm excited to see you and I'm, I'm thankful for what God can do through you. And when you pick up your kids today, you need to hug a teacher and say, I'm thankful that you pour into my children. You know, I stood outside of doors. I listened to classes. I took pictures of classes. And, you know, my heart just melted hearing Derek teach and others teach. And, 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 and I sat with the kids. And, you know, I, there's two classes in particular that I found out their favorites on everything. Like, what's your favorite movie? What's this and that? Just trying to get to know them. And, and it became a special part of my week. I'm going to miss that. But the truth is, is what I love is what we gained and what opportunities we have from here and how we can grow from here. Don't be quick to leave. Don't be late to arrive. Get to know people because I know the one thing you need in your life more than money, the one thing you need in your life more than a job, the one thing you need in your life more than a church is somebody. You need somebody. And here's the reality. They need you too. And God said, let me show you the best way to live of all. Prophecy, come on, that's great, but here's the best way. Tongues, that's great, but here's the best way. So I want to be used by God. The microphone isn't how you get used. It's how you let him use your heart to care for others. We need to love in a true, meaningful way. I know I gave you my list a little fast. I'll send you my notes if you want them. But the reality is, I, I don't know about you, but as I was thinking about this going into the, after last week's sermon of It Fits and, and, and wanting to move on to the next story time series, God said, wait, why would you move past the most important thing in the Bible? It's his love. Why would we go teach them all these other things and what they're capable of doing? And I'll be honest with you, you know why I believe, and this is, this is gonna be my, I'm gonna say this, mic dropping out, ready? This, you know why I believe we don't see the spiritual gifts in the church is because I believe the church wants to be the most you know, spiritual. I, w- I wanna see the healing, I wanna see the tongues, and we wanna be that more than we wanna actually love each other. And absent the love, why do we need the gifts? And you say, well, what do I need? I I promise you now, you become a person that loves like Jesus and watch the Holy Spirit empower you in ways you never thought was possible. Because why would God empower a jerk? There's my mic drop. Let's pray. Grab somebody's mic. Grab a man. Grab a man. Whether you're a husband, a wife, whether you're a mom or a dad, whether you're Somebody today that's just, you know, maybe a single. Maybe you're a widow. No matter who you are today, no matter where you are. My heart, my prayer here lately has been, God, help me love better. Help me love better. Not to react. 
to what I hear, not to, not to get impulsive, not to, not to get caught up in facts, but help me to love better as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor. Help me to love better. Now, I know your hands are there, but kind of nod your heads with me. Is there anybody else in here? Maybe shake your head yes, say, I, I need God's help. I need to love and see people just a little bit better than I do right now. Is there anybody else like that? Just kind of turn into a bobblehead for a second. God, help me to love better. Help me to love better. I'm telling you this right now. Look at me and we'll be done. Keep those hands held. You can give me your eyes. Ready? We're living in a world that's going to run out of resource at some point. But global warming and all this other stuff that they tell us cannot change who we are. You are who you are no matter what you have. You are who you are no matter what's going on around you. So the question is, who are you? I promise you this right now. If we love each other, we can survive the harshest of circumstances. Am I right? I mean, how many of you have noticed these, these hurricanes that come through and wipe out Houston and wipe out, you know, uh, Louisiana and Katrina and all these things, do all this damage, and all of a sudden what happens? A community rallies together. People are sleeping in football stadiums and water's getting flown in from other states and other places. It's a shame that it takes tragedy for us to actually recognize that people are human and in need. What would happen if absent tragedy, we loved each other? I promise you, we would get stronger and grow, but we would be prepared and ready for anything. Because what I have found is a lot of times once tragedy happens, the resources are late no matter when they arrive. But when we love each other, we stayed in preparedness and readiness. We're ready to give at any time. We're ready to do at any time. We're ready to go at any time. And I, I'm hoping and praying that that's what Grace Community Church is. I'm praying that for every other church around here too. That we look around and we say, how can we love you better today? And we get up tomorrow and don't ask God to give us a more successful financial day, but we ask God, God, make me a beacon of your love today because I know that it is love that brings people to salvation. It is not my ideas. It's not my knowledge of scripture. It's the way that I love. People will forget what you have to say. They'll never forget how you made them feel. Amen.